0: Romans 7 is no one's favorite chapter. As I got into it, though, I realized it has two precious points which we're going to get into. And remember, Romans is a letter from the Apostle Paul on the gospel of God, the good news of God. And it generally goes from the bad news first to the good news. So the question is... Why does Romans 7 fall in between Romans 6 and 8, two chapters both on good news? Why would Paul write a chapter that's in such stark contrast to the good news in 6 and 8? Well, the first thing that we'll see in Romans 7 is actually good news. It's a precious point, and we call it the picture of the two husbands. And here, this is verses 1 through 6, Paul presents a picture of a woman who has a husband who dies and then she's free to be joined to another man and she doesn't break the law in the process and he makes the point that while the husband is living she cannot be joined to another man well this is paul's pictorial representation of how it can be that we as believers are no longer under the law but under grace something he mentioned in Chapter 6, verse 14, you're not under the law, but under grace. Well, how can it be that we're not under the law? Did God recall the law? Did God abolish the law? No, but Paul's saying that the only way that we can be out from under the law is that our old man was crucified with Christ. In a sense, we've died to the law, which he says in Galatians 2.19, I through law have died to law that I might live to God. So this is actually very good news. Paul is saying that, in essence, our old man was like a husband toward God. In other words, it was independent. Our old man took the headship by itself and claimed independence from God. But that has been crucified with Christ, and toward Christ, now we take the position of a wife. That is, we're dependent on him, we submit to him, we take him as our head. So this is a very wonderful picture And actually, there's an Old Testament book that sort of represents this whole section. And that Old Testament book is the very beautiful but short book of Ruth. And if you haven't read Ruth, I recommend you read it. It's only four chapters. And basically, you have Ruth and her background was terrible. Her husband died right at the beginning of the book. And she herself was from a cursed people. But because her first husband had died, she was free to choose God and choose God's people. And eventually she found Boaz and he married her. That that marriage is actually a picture of Christ marrying the church, Christ redeeming the church. And they, as a couple, you could say they, quote, bore fruit. That is, they had a son and that son became the grandfather of King David and eventually became an ancestor of Christ. So here, like it says in Romans 7, 4, we could bear fruit to God. Eventually, by our being joined to Christ, we'll bear fruit. We'll bear divine fruit that will be to God. So this is actually a wonderful point. But the second point, the second main thing in Romans 7, and the reason that this is no one's favorite chapter and that it has been often debated, is verses 7 through 25, the rest of the chapter. And we could call this a section on Paul's experience of struggling to keep the law of God by his inner law of good in his mind, but being defeated every time by the law of sin, by the law of sin. So we can actually call this a section on three laws. Paul is actually describing for us in detail, in grisly detail, his struggles and failures to do the good that he wants to do, that the law demands of him, because he discovers another law rises up within him, the law of sin and death. And sin in this section is personified in a number of ways. Sin here, he says, deceives us. Sin takes an opportunity, seizes the opportunity. It tricks us. It kills us. It conquers us. It makes us a captive. These are all actions of a person. So he's actually identifying sin with the satanic nature himself. And he's saying that in my flesh, nothing good dwells. In my flesh, the evil satanic nature dwells. And I find that whenever I want to do good, the law that I discover is whenever I want to do good, evil is right there with me. Evil is present. And I believe we've all had the experience of Romans chapter 7 Some of us are stuck living in Romans chapter 7. Some of us haven't yet made it to Romans chapter 8. But if you are in Romans 7 right now, don't be discouraged. I know I have been there for a long time. Romans 7 is not just the experience of anyone. Rather, it's the experience of those who want to please God. And for Christians, usually that happens shortly after they get saved. They say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Now I want to be a good person. I know I've had that experience, and when you attempt, by your own efforts, to be good and to do the good that you think God desires, you attempt to work out sanctification by yourself, Romans 7 is the brick wall that you run up against. Romans 7 will not let you sanctify yourself. Instead, you have to come to the end of Romans 7, where, like Paul, you'll cry out, Wretched man that I am! All my attempts to do good have been defeated, and now I feel pitiful, I feel wretched, and miserable. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? You know, towards sin, you'll feel like your body is full of energy. You know, to do something sinful, you'll have all of this energy. But to pray, to read your Bible, to do anything for God, you'll feel like your body is like a corpse. It's a body of death. It's so weak, it can't do the will of God. And Paul had to discover that in Romans 7. And I believe the reason he wrote Romans 7 here is because just like in justification, we didn't do it for ourselves, rather, we just received it by faith. So in sanctification, God is telling us you cannot sanctify yourself. You have to let the Spirit work in you. And he has to convince us, he has to convince us of our own inability our own weakness in Romans 7, before we'll be amazed at his ability, at his freeing ability in Romans chapter 8. So stay tuned for the good news. The good news is about to get even better. Stay tuned tomorrow for Romans chapter 8.